Well, good morning, Journey Church. How are you all doing today? Great? Day like today, who could, uh, who could not be uh, awesome? Well, today we're in a series uh, that we began last week called Tell Someone, and uh, one of the things that we wanted to challenge you to do, you know, there are always opportunities to tell someone, and part of that is the life of the church. And uh, like Dan mentioned a few moments ago, we have an opportunity uh, in our church life here in a, a few weeks uh, to invite someone, to tell someone to come with you. Uh, on uh, November the 12th was going to be our Thanksgiving uh, dinner that Sunday, uh, excuse me, yes, that's Sunday night, the 12th, and uh, we want you to uh, plan on being here. We'll give you more information as we go, but put it on your calendar and make that a, a part of your plans, all right? Well, in this series we began last week, we talked about the one thing that both, uh, both Christians and non-Christians agree on is that sharing our faith can be an awkward thing and uh, uncomfortable, and many of us are are reluctant to do so, but I'm trying to encourage you to know it's a normal, natural thing to do and to make you feel really comfortable about doing that because it's the most important thing you could ever tell anybody. You might have some important news to share, but this is the most important thing you could ever communicate to someone. It is the one thing in life that they have to know. They cannot leave this world without. And uh, just understand that, that you may be the one to be able to transmit that information. You know, instead of calling it evangelism, maybe we should call it frangelism to kind of describe what it really is. The, the, the F standing for friends, the R standing for relatives, the A standing for associates, the N standing for neighbors. Whoever it may be, you need to tell someone. And last week, we looked at the mission that we have, the Great Commission, we call it, Matthew chapter 28, that tells us that we are to go, we are to tell and we are to make disciples. And today we want to take it and make it a little more practical because I don't know about you, but I can know a lot of things in theory, but I really want to know how to do it practically so that I can hopefully get the courage up to, to actually make the move. And so uh, we're going to do that. We're going to take, today we're going to talk about the fact that the gospel is all about good news. That's what the word means. When you hear gospel, it's just good news. And the gospel is good news, but only if it gets there on time. Only if it gets there on time. You know, I've had the privilege, uh, most of you know, two of our kids are adopted, but I've had the privilege because of some associations I have to two times to be able to go and tell someone, if you make a call right now, there is a baby that you can adopt. Now, I want to tell you, that is good news for people who, who are looking to adopt a baby because that's not an easy thing to do. But two times I've been able to go. The first time is the most memorable. I was told I was working with, uh, with a couple uh, in our community, and they were trying desperately to get pregnant. Couldn't happen. And so I got a call one day, and they said, there is a baby that's going to be given for adoption today, right now. Within the hour, you need to go and tell this couple if, they, if they're interested. And so I left my office. I went to the school about a mile down the road. I went into the classroom. I stopped the teacher from teaching, and I told her, there is a baby available if you call right now. She left. I stayed with the kids in the classroom. I mean, that was how bad it, it was, desperate. She left. She went, and they got a baby because of that. That was good news. Now, that is awesome. And if you've not been there, you don't know how good news that may be. But let me just tell you, what if I had said, you know, I think I'll wait a couple hours, or maybe I'll do it this afternoon, or maybe I'll do it tomorrow, and, and only to find that the baby had been adopted by somebody else. That would have been really taken away from the good news, right? Well, the good news is only good news if it gets there on time. And you know what? The Bible says that one day everybody, every man, woman, and child will bow and acknowledge the name of Jesus. But the problem is 
that that day will be too late for some people because it will be the judgment day. And that will be too late. That's why the Bible says we're commanded to tell somebody, to tell someone. In our small group, we're studying the book of Acts. And what we discovered is that when people come to know Jesus, they go immediately and tell somebody else. It's the good news that once you've experienced, you have to tell somebody else. And yet today, it seems like, the longer that people are Christians, we've mentioned this before, the longer we're Christians, the, more, the less likely we are to share our faith. And that should not be. It really shouldn't be. You may think that you don't know enough, but you know a lot more than you think. You know, for most of us, we have heard, and for me, preached many, many sermons, more than we can even remember. And we've read Bible stories, and we've had Bible studies. We've done all these things about the Bible, and yet if someone were to say, why don't you share your faith, we would say, I don't know enough. And the reality is that you know more than you think you do, and if you are a Christian, you definitely know enough to share, to share it with somebody else. All you have to do is just say, this is what I did. You just tell them your experience is a very powerful thing. It's called your testimony or your witness. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 12, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So if you want to shine like a star, the Bible talks about stars in our crown. Maybe this is part of it, that you share and lead other people to righteousness. You're going to be rewarded for that. Well, today we're going to be practical. We'll look at the who and the what and the where and the when today a little bit. We're going to ask some really practical questions. And the first question is, who should be telling other people about Jesus? Who should be telling? And that is probably the simplest question of all because it's everyone. You and I ought to be telling other people about this incredible news that we have. Never, ever let the news get old. Never, ever let the good news become the boring news because it's not as exciting. It's the message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Every one of us, there are no exceptions. Nobody gets a pass. Of, of being exempted from telling other people. The second question is as simple as well. Who should we be telling? And the answer is everyone. Everyone. There are no exceptions in any life. No matter how rich you are, you don't get a pass. No matter how poor somebody might be, no passes. Young, old, men, women, no matter what race, background, it doesn't matter. Every one of us need to know about Jesus. Everybody's looking for something. There's a void in our lives that we've been created, and that void can only be filled by Jesus Christ. And we have to understand, people may look like they got it all together, they got nothing missing, but without Jesus, there is a huge emptiness in their life. Also, everybody today is lonely. We're all lonely because there's something missing there. You know, if you were to look and find the words that are most Googled at night, there are three of them. The first one might be predictable. It's porn. People are looking for something, but the other two are lonely and suicide. That's what people are thinking about at night because people are empty. They're looking for something only Jesus can fill. You know, a study was done on Generation Y, which is uh, anyone born after 1981. I suspect there's some people in here that are in that, uh, that generation. But they say the average Facebook usage of a person in Generation Y is six and a half hours a day. Now, that is staggering, isn't it? Six and a half hours today, hopefully you don't do that, but it means somebody somewhere is really on Facebook a lot, and they're thinking, you know, this is my community. This is, these are my friends, right? 
Well, I hate to tell you, but those people on Facebook, most of them are not your friends. They really aren't, you know. A lot of them have got you blocked, and you just don't know it because they don't want to know what you're doing all the time, moment to moment, all right? But they're not your friends. They're, you're looking for something, but you're not going to find it on Facebook or any other social media, all right? But we're looking for, lo- for, for company because we're lonely. Not only that, but everybody feels guilt. Every person feels guilt. Why? Because we're guilty, because we're sinners. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has this common universal need of feeling guilty. And I'll tell you something else that we all have is a fear of death. We all fear death because we don't know what death is going to be like. And, and we're a little bit, you know, we're, we're kind of ignorant about it. We haven't experienced it. Everybody fears death. Now, all those things that people are missing in their life, all of those things can be supplied. The knowledge, the, the, the company, the presence of God only through Jesus Christ. It's universal. So if you wonder, I wonder if so-and-so needs Jesus, the answer is yes. You don't ever have to wonder about that. They may look like they don't, they got it all together, but they need Jesus as well. In fact, the Bible says that person needs Jesus is whoever, whoever, whosoever. In fact, this is how Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever You can fill in the blank, put anybody's name, your own, anybody else's. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the who needs to be told about Jesus, everyone. The next question I want to answer is where should we share the gospel? Where should we share the gospel? The Bible says to go into all the world. And you go, well, I'm not probably going to make it to the other side of the world. And most of us won't. Some will be called to do that. If called, they should go. The rest of us should support them. But what are you saying as you go into your world? What is your world, your family, your workplace, your neighbors, the school where you go, your friends, even to your enemies? You know the best way to deal with an enemy is to lead them to Jesus. They become a friend and a brother or sister in Christ. Wouldn't that be a great way to get rid of your enemies, to make them your family in Jesus? Here's what I know for sure, that if you are available God will show you the people that you need to talk to. He will make that an obvious thing. You're not going to miss that. God's going to nudge you toward them. And let me ask you, is there somebody that maybe God's put on your heart that you know that he's kind of nudging you toward them to share the gospel, but you keep saying no to them? You keep saying, no, I'm I'm not going to do it today. Uh, You know, uh, there's a lot of reasons. We'll talk about excuses here in a few moments. Why? But, but the reality is that God may put you where you are right now in this place, in this time, for a specific person in your fear of influence, in your world, that God wants you there, time and a place and a person. You know, you may hate the place you work, but maybe God's got you there for a reason. You, you may not like where you live in your neighborhood. You, you may not care for the people that you're assigned to be on a project with or, or maybe the people that you have to deal with with your kids' sports team or whatever it may be, but God may have you there a specific reason. Here's the most important thing. Don't blow it. Don't blow it because if God's put you somewhere, you need to step up and be faithful in that. You know, it's so easy for us to get ourselves in a Christian bubble, isn't it? And I know it's true because I live in that bubble Everybody I work with in the church, we're all Christians, which is a great thing, you know? Uh, everybody I can talk to and visit with, I visit with a lot of people, but they're almost all Christians. And, and the people I contact, all of you guys, I love you. You're all, most of you are Christians, you know? I can be in a bubble. You can do, do that. 
I mean, you can isolate yourself and just read your Bible and your devotions and listen to Caleb on the radio and go to your small group and go to church. You can eat a Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken. You can shop at Lifeway, you know, Christian store. You can wear Christian t-shirts. You got a bubble around you and not have any contact with unbelievers. And I believe if we do that as Christians, we may miss the purpose that God's left us on this church, uh, on this earth for. Why doesn't God just take us to heaven when we get it over with? I, I think the reason he leaves us here because he expects us to be doing some business with the people around us and sharing our faith, and we could miss our reason for being on this earth. So you ought to start praying that God will bring someone to mind, that God will bring someone to mind who maybe is already in your world, but, or maybe it's somebody that God's going to bring into your world that you can share Christ with. If we could approach it and say, you know what, God has a mission for me, and this mission has a face and a name, and I am not going to miss my mission. I think if we knew that we had a mission, we would step up and be faithful to fulfill that mission. So just imagine that God's got the mission. You don't know who it is just yet, but if you ask him, he will show you. Now, why do we not share our faith? Why do we not share our faith? I don't know about you, but I just want to bust out of here and go tell somebody about Jesus right now. But there's something about that door out there. When I hit it, something happens, right? What, what keeps me from sharing my faith out there? Here, here's one thing. I think it's fear. I think fear is the big thing that really gets in our way. The fear of failure. The fear of failure. What if I were to talk to somebody about Jesus and they were to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? That scares me to death, right? But you know what? I'm in conversations all the time where people ask me things I don't know. And that doesn't prevent me from talking about subjects that I don't know everything about, right? So why is it about our faith that we're scared to death? Someone to ask a question. What do you say when you don't know something? I don't know, but I'll go find out, you know? And you can always find out and come back and tell them. Here's another fear. We, we might have a fear of rejection. Somebody might say, you know, I don't want to talk about that. So what do you do? You talk about something else. That time, maybe you come back later. Why are we so messed up about the fear of failure? How about this? What if they mock you? That might happen in some cases, but really probably isn't going to happen that often. Hey, what about if they attack you? What if they physically start beating you up? That's probably not going to happen in the U.S. So we're, we can be grateful for that. Other countries, it does happen. When people share their faith, they may be attacked. They may be put in jail. They may be put to death. Who knows? But they do it anyway. We're so spoiled today that we're not threatened like that, and yet we don't talk a lot about Jesus Christ. We have a fear of failure. But here's the other fear. I think it's the fear of success. It's the fear of success. You ever think about that? What if this person accepts Jesus? What do I do with them next? Am I going to have to stick with them, you know, like going forward? And the answer is yes, you are. Grow up a little bit, you know, and start being a mature Christian. Here's the thing. The Bible says that our mission is not just to go and tell and win people, but it's also to make disciples. We want to be a church that, that makes disciples who make disciples. So here's the thing. Whenever you help lead someone to Christ, you need to stick with them a while, help them get on their feet and tell other people. And I honestly believe that some of us don't want that responsibility. Because if we do, then what do we have to do? We have to be a good Christian ourselves. We have to go to church regularly because they're going to be expecting to see us there, right? Uh, we have to engage in worship. We can't do Facebook on Sunday morning because 
There's somebody beside us seeing what we're doing, so we got to be in worship. Uh, we got to serve because they're going to want to do stuff, and you can't drive your car like a lunatic. You got somebody watching you. You know, when I think about it, all those things are things that we ought to be doing or ought not to be doing anyway as a Christian. So maybe you need a new Christian in your life to help you be a good Christian. Maybe that's what you need. But that's pressure, isn't it? That's a lot of pressure in our lives. Here's the thing. Honestly, as a Christian, you are either a, 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 um, a bridge or a barrier. You're either a bridge or a barrier. You're either a stepping stone or a stumbling block. You're either moving people closer on a simple journey to Jesus or you're pushing them away. One or the other. Now, you might ask, well, isn't it possible to be a little bit too aggressive in this whole thing? You know, might it come out a little strong? Yes. But you know what? Most of us are so far from that, we don't have to worry about it right now, all right? If you get to that place and you start offending people because you're talking too much about Jesus, then we can back you off a little bit. But all of us kind of need to get a little more aggressive in our faith. And we say, well, I don't want to preach at people because for some reason the word preaching is negative, isn't it? You know, for years it's been, don't preach at me, you know, it's a negative thing. But you know what the word preach just means to proclaim? It means to just tell other people something. So don't think about it being that you're, you're condemning people, you're just informing people, you're sharing this with, with other people. Here's the thing we oftentimes choose to do. We choose to cop out, and here's what we say, maybe you've done this, I just want to be a good example, and I just want to win people by my lifestyle evangelism. Don't you love that phrase? Doesn't it sound holy? I'm, this is lifestyle evangelism. I'm just going to be a really good person and be a great example and, uh, and hope people figure out why. Well, now that sounds really noble, doesn't it? But the, the reality is that um, it takes a lot more than that. It takes a lot more than that. Not that that's not important. Nothing hurts our witness more than an inconsistent lifestyle. But you know what? Jesus didn't say, I want you to go out there and be a good example. Jesus said, I want you to go and preach. I want you to go and preach. Because your example, your good example is good, but it's not enough. Because you're the only Bible that some people are ever going to read, they're ever going to know. You've got to make sure that they know we have to do more than live a good life. Because here's what could happen. You live a great life and you never mention Jesus. You never tell them why, that, that your good works are because of your faith, the result of that. And they assume, you know what, all I have to do is be a good person. And they miss the fact that Jesus is in your life. And when they stand before God, we know that all of our good works aren't going to save us. That's the danger of just living a good life and never telling anybody why. Jesus said we have to influence people, and Jesus used an interesting analogy to explain that and describe our influence. Jesus said that we are to be the salt of the earth, the salt of the earth. I want you to think about yourself being like salt. Now, I, I like salt really well, probably a little more than I should. No health issues on that, okay? We'll start worrying about that part, but my wife is always on me about, I put too much salt. But salt is a pretty important thing in our life, and salt is not a side dish. It's not something like, hey, I think I'll have a side of salt. No, you put salt on your food to take away the blandness, you know, you, it flavors everything. It's part of your meal, and it makes a real difference there, right? Now, in our day, you know, we have salt everywhere. It's cheap. You all got salt. You know, you can get packets in the restaurants and everything else. But in Jesus' day, it was extremely valuable. And in fact, it was so valuable that they would pay salaries in salt. 
I mean, like you go in to get your paycheck and they go, here, okay, here's 150 pounds of salt. You would not be very happy about that, would you? You probably heard the saying that people say, hey, they're not worth their salt. That's where it came from. They're not worth their salary. Uh, we use that and we throw that around. But the, but the, the reality uh, is, it, is that salt is valuable. And the qualities of salt will show our responsibility as Christians. What does salt do? Well, salt, we know it flavors things, right? It flavors our food and makes it in more enjoyable to eat. But it's also a preservative. You probably know that. I mean, if you ever had country ham, you know that a ham is salted. You don't even have to refrigerate it. You see them hanging in stores and in, uh, you know, meat houses or wherever because salt has a way of preserving things. The Bible says that we are to stop the decay in our society, that we are to be the salt of the earth. So wherever you are, you ought to be raising the morals, not that you're holier than thou or you're coming across as unapproachable, but people ought to know that you're different. And when they know that you're different, that gives you a platform to explain why. Not to come across as arrogant, but just to come across as a person who has something special in their life. Now, you're going to fail from time to time, and we all do that. Some of us are afraid to, to say that we're Christians because we know that we're going to fail at points. So, you know, words going to slip out, or we're going to do something, or say something that's going to mess up our testimony. But when you blow it, just apologize. But, but try to create some, uh, some preservation of the culture and to raise the morals wherever you are. Here's something else that salt does. Salt creates thirst. It creates thirst. You go to a movie, and after you've had the sticker shock of buying tickets, you go to the, the counter, and then you've got to spend another fortune to buy popcorn, right? And you say, I'm just going to buy some popcorn and maybe skip the drink. Well, you'll come back in a few minutes. Why? Because they salt the popcorn a lot in the movie theater for a good reason. Not just because it's good, because they want to make you buy some drinks. And so you're just buying, buying drinks to, you know, address the salt that you just had. You know, you want, life needs to be such a good example that people are thirsty for what you have. You need to create a thirst in them. You know, I told you we were studying the book of Acts, and Acts chapter 16 was this past week. And Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi for preaching the gospel. They had been preaching, ran into some conflict, and they throw them into jail. And, and by the way, last year I was there, I, this really connects with me because I was in Greece last year and uh, we saw the jail, hopefully, uh, they, they say it is, the jail that Paul and Silas were thrown into. It was more like a root cellar, uh, all falling down at this point. But, uh, but they, they were in jail and, and most of us would be down discouraged if we were thrown into jail and in, in irons, but instead they were praying and singing at midnight. I mean, they were just having a great time, and everybody was looking at them like they were crazy and everything, but they really wanted to know why they were so happy. And in the middle of that, there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake. Now, what's really interesting uh, about this is that the city of Philippi was never rebuilt, and the reason it wasn't rebuilt was because there are a lot of earthquakes in that area. So this is kind of, you know, reality connects with the Bible here. There was an earthquake, and the prisoners were set free, and the jailer was about to kill himself. But Paul stopped them and said, hey, we're, we're all here. All the prisoners had not had stayed. They had not run away. But here's what happened because of their unique response to being in prison. It says the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your entire household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house at that hour, the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all this household were baptized. 
Now, do you think in any other circumstances, the jailer would have wanted to know anything at all about his prisoners? No, he, he wouldn't. But he heard them praying and singing and rejoicing. He knew they weren't afraid, and their testimony created a thirst in him to want to know what was different about them. They earned the right to be heard, and, and then they were able to share Jesus. Once you've lived a good life and you've done the best you can do, you've earned the right to be heard. Make sure you don't drop the ball and miss the opportunity because the gospel is good news, but only if it gets there on time. The Bible says in Romans 10, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Later on, Paul says that the God has chosen to save people through the foolishness of preaching. And God leaves that to you and I to preach. Again, preach means to proclaim. It just means to tell. Now, you might wonder, then why, why did God give us this way for the message to be communicated? Why doesn't God just come out of heaven every now and then, just show up, say, hey, I'm God, this is what you got to do, and just force us to do it? You know, why doesn't God send down angels that, that would tell us what to do? In the Bible, in the Old Testament, there was a time that God used a donkey, Balaam's donkey, you know, to speak his word. So today, you know, we got man's best friend, we got our dog, you know. What if, why, why doesn't our dog just come up, lay his head on our leg and say, have you given your life to Jesus? Your cat would never do that, all right? Your cat is so far above that, he's never going to tell you about Jesus if he knows, you know. Maybe that's why, you know, I, I don't know. But the reality is God said, no, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to come down and speak anymore. I've given you my word, it's all you need. I'm not going to give an animal to talk, you know, and something weird like that. I just want you to talk. I just want you to tell someone. And God will use any medium that he wants. And he's chosen for us to be the medium. It's good news. Can you imagine if you were a scientist and you studied, you know, uh, uh, medicine and, and how things work? You just were a research scientist, but then one day you got cancer and you spent all of your time working on a cure to cancer. And finally, one day it happened. It all came together and you created this pill, a one pill, one time dose that you took it and you were cured. And not only you, but everybody was cured and you knew this was the cure. Can you imagine if you just said, you know, I'm afraid people won't believe me. I'm afraid people won't listen to me. What if somebody rejects me? What if somebody makes fun of me or mocks me because I think I've found a cure? Can you, you imagine you would do that? That's crazy. I mean, you would be shouting it from the mountaintops. You'd be on fire to tell other people and save their lives. You would do everything you could. I, you know, I, I love what the old minister, Charles Spurgeon, he once said this. He said, if people have to go to hell... Make them climb over us to get there with our arms wrapped around their legs trying to stop them. That needs to be our approach to try to stop people from going to hell. But you know what? So many times we're so casual about it, we never mention it to the people, even the ones who are close to us. We have the good news, but are we delivering the news? You know, imagine you turn on the TV and, and there on the screen was a newscaster, and he looked great, had on a suit. I, I don't understand why they wear suits. You're in your pajamas, he's talking to you in a suit. Doesn't make a lot of sense, right? 
But anyway, he's in a suit and he looks extremely important. And he has these papers or he has his, uh, you know, his screen and is reading the news. He's reading it to himself and he looks really worried and really concerned. He's shaking his head and he's, you know, he's looking shocked and everything else, but he never tells you what the news is. Can you imagine what you would do? You would change channels, right? And the guy would get fired because he wasn't being responsible. He didn't tell the news. And yet today, what do we do? We sit, read our Bibles, shake our head about the sake of the world and lost people, but we never share the news. We never deliver that. Here's the last question I want to ask is, when do we share the gospel? And you know what? All of these answers are so extremely simple that it's obvious, right? When do we share the gospel? Whenever we can. And when we typically don't get a memo in advance to say, you're going to get a chance today to share the gospel with somebody, sharpen up, you know, get, get ready. We don't get that. It usually comes in, in the moment, right? Someone called these divine appointments, which is a good way to think about them. But I wonder how many of those divine appointments do we blow because we just missed the point and missed the opportunity. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Always be ready. Always be ready at any moment. I love this story. Uh, Greg Laurie, who is a pastor of Harvest Fellowship Church, and uh, he, he is a guy who has a huge heart for evangelism. And uh, he, he tells a story. He said one time he was in a public place and he was going to the bathroom. And, and it was going to take a little while. So he took his seat in a stall and suddenly someone beside him started talking. Have you ever done that? You know, you've been in there and they're talking. You find out they're talking on the phone to somebody and you, found, you, sound really, you feel really uncomfortable there. But he said, he, he sat down in the, in, in the stall beside him. Someone said, hey, how are you? And he goes, fine. And the guy goes, um, was I supposed to meet you? And he goes, no, I don't think so. And the guy says, uh, do you have something for me? And Lori is really uncomfortable at this point. He goes, uh, well, what do you want? And the guy said, well, I was supposed to buy some drugs. And Greg is, like I say, man, he, he is sharp. He said, well, I don't have drugs but I have something better. I'd like to offer you a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the guy in the other stall says, I tried that, and I went to church. It didn't work. And Greg said, where do you go to church at? He said, I go to Harvest Fellowship Church. And Greg Laurie says, I'm the pastor there. He said, he said God must really love you if he sent the pastor of your church to meet you in the bathroom where you came to buy drugs. God must really love you. Can we talk a little bit outside? And he said they went outside, and he, the man recommitted his life to Jesus Christ. Well, you know, you may not share Jesus a lot in the bathroom. It's uncomfortable. But it really ought to be a common occurrence, and you ought to be ready. Because the reality is, is that it can, it can be too late. It can be too late to share. You know, a little over a year ago, there was a gentleman in our community who was hit and killed in an accident within eyesight of our church, right out here on 60. And I don't know, but I suspect that the man did not know Jesus. I, I knew the man. I didn't know him overly well, but we had had conversations before about different things, different things, but never about Jesus. And whenever I realized that, I thought, you know, I really had a lot of regret for that. At his funeral, I shared the gospel 
And I, I don't know if there were other people who maybe heard and, and responded, but, but it was too late for him. We can wait too late to share the gospel for people. And so this morning, as I close, I want to make sure that you have a personal relationship with Christ. And I just want to be honest with you. You've kind of seen the inside of us encouraging ourselves to do that, but, but know that you, like everyone, have been separated by God, from God by your sin. Understand that that sin will keep us out of God's heaven. You might be a good person, but God doesn't grade on a curve. God grades on the cross. That's the only way that we can be saved through Jesus. And the Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he gave his only son to come here on a rescue mission, born as a baby, lived a perfect life, and then died for you and I. And that Jesus took the punishment, the just punishment of God on himself so that we would not have to bear that punishment. And then because he is God, he rose from the dead, and now he is alive in heaven, preparing a place for all of those who are in him, who accept him as their Lord and Savior. And this morning, our invitation time, we'd be remiss if we didn't offer you a chance to respond to that invitation to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And I'll just ask you, have you opened the door to him? Because it can be too late, and one day it will be too late. The greatest reason that we respond should not be fear, it should be the love of God. But if his love doesn't move us, then the fear, the warning ought to move us to say, I want to give my life to Christ today. I'm going to be down front after the service. I'd love to talk to you about that and about your relationship with him. I also want to encourage, in just a few moments, we're going to have a baptism. And, and periodically, we have baptisms all the time, anytime. But we also, every now and then, will appoint a special day to say we're going to kind of focus on baptism. And so on November the 5th, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to have a day of baptism. And I just want to encourage you to think about that. If you have not been baptized, not been obedient to him, we'll talk about what it's all about. I'd love to have a personal conversation with you. And I, every now and then I meet people who just say, you know, I've never done that. Maybe you were, you know, sprinkled as a baby or Maybe you were baptized as a small child. You didn't have any idea what you were doing. I'd love to have that conversation with you. And we'd love to have an awesome day of baptism on November the 5th. So, so please keep that in mind. But today, I just want to encourage you to make sure that you do not leave this building unless you have made a decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. Right now, we're going to kind of move to a time of communion, which connects so closely with the whole topic because what we're going to do here in a few moments reminds us of the immense love of God, that he would send his son Jesus to come here to die on a cross. And in a few moments, you're going to be passed a, a tray, and it has a piece of bread and some juice. And we invite you just to take that out and just take a few moments to reflect on the incredible love of God. If you're a believer, we invite you to share with us in, in taking that. If you're not a Christian, we just encourage you to think a few moments and, and reflect and maybe ask God. Uh, to help you make that decision and, and commit yourself to having a conversation about that. So let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we just want to thank you that we have been privileged to be the channel through which people can come to know you. God, it's an incredible thought that we might have the power to open someone's heart to the truth. Or God, we might be the one that never had the courage to share and be the result, be the reason that somebody doesn't know you and that it would be too late. God, 
lay that upon our heart, the good news, and a passion to share it before it's too late. And God, thank you so much as we share in this communion that it's a time that we can remember the fact that you were right on time with, with the gospel, the good news, and creating not only Jesus' love for us, but also his sacrifice on the cross. And that, God, we could take a few moments now and, and share in this meal and be reminded through the taste, the smell, the experience, the thought of how much you love us. So, God, we love you. and. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.